Welcome to Bluecast, the Carved in Blue podcast channel. My name is Trisha Carey, and I'm Director of Global Business Development for Denim at Lensing. We transform trees into tensile lyocell and modal fibers, which are used by leading denim mills and brands around the world. To learn more about tensile denim, visit our Carved in Blue blog or follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or our YouTube channel, Blue Lens. This month, we will feature a series of conversations in correlation to Women's History Month entitled Solutionists in partnership with the Fashion Impact Fund. To introduce this special series is Carrie Vanigan, Executive Director of Fashion Impact Fund, which supports women entrepreneurs leading educational initiatives to accelerate the fashion industry's transition to an equitable, inclusive, and regenerative sector. The Fashion Impact Fund also includes the Conscious Fashion Campaign in collaboration with the United Nations Office for Partnerships and the Public Foundation. That spotlights women entrepreneurs in the fashion industry driving social and environmental impact by showcasing their work in billboard and digital campaigns to scale their impact in support of the Sustainable Development Goals. Thank you, Trisha. This year, Women's History Month is even more poignant with the theme of providing healing, promoting hope. It is both a tribute to the ceaseless work of caregivers and frontline workers during this ongoing pandemic, and also a recognition of the thousands of ways that women from all cultures have provided both healing and hope throughout history. Women as healers harken back to ancient times. Women's History Month is a celebration of women's contributions to history, culture, and society, and has been observed annually in the month of March in the United States since 1987. It is a dedicated month to reflect on the often overlooked contributions of women to the United States history. From Abigail Adams to Susan B. Anthony, Sojourner Truth to Rosa Parks. The timeline of Women's History Milestones stretches back to the founding of the United States. We want to recognize women in the fashion and denim industry who are making an impact in forging a new path. Those who are connecting their life's work to planet, people, and prosperity, giving us hope towards a change. We look forward to this series of discussions on Bluecast Carved in Blue to highlight women in the denim industry or supporting the efforts. No effort is too small. It is building each season, each collection, each connection to make progress. Each are solutionists. Joining us today from Tennessee is Sarah Bellos, founder and CEO of Stony Creek Colors, the world's only certified 100% plant-based indigo dye manufacturer. A graduate of the Cornell University Agricultural School with a degree in natural resources management, Sarah has 15 plus years of leadership experience having previously managed a textile dye house, small farms, and worked across food and agriculture sectors. Sarah is a recognized leader in research efforts to bring plant-based colorant production to farmers in the southeastern U.S. as a way to ultimately replace harmful synthetic dyes in the denim industry and artisan dyer community. She is the recipient of many prestigious awards, including Inc. Magazine Top 100 Female Founders, the Young Entrepreneur Award by A Squared TC Squared, a Martha Stewart American Made Awardee, 
the Tennessee feature for Fast Companies United States of Innovation, and most recently, a 2021 Rivet 50 honoree for the most influential people in denim. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Trisha. Great to be with you. Wonderful. I I think we first spoke when I was looking back um, in my Outlook. It was in 2019, and we were working on our Modal Indigo project, and we had a conversation then. So it's nice that we can have this opportunity to chat. We miss running into each other at shows, um, but, you know, wonderful that we can connect here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, Sarah, tell us, are you a farmer, a fellow, or a female entrepreneur? You, you've done so many things. Uh, what is it that puts you together? Where, where are you coming from? Yeah, you know, I would say entrepreneurship is definitely that kind of theme, that thread running through all my work, even when I was full-time farming or running a textile dye house, kind of before even starting Stony Creek Colors, I was looking for how do we do things in a way that hadn't been done before that could be um you know, either better for people or, or better for the planet. So entrepreneur and a, a little bit of all of the above, I guess. That's good. And it's an interesting mix. And I guess that's really what led you to develop and create Stony Creek then. Can you tell us how it was founding your business? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I was running a textile dye house um, previously and offering naturally dyed, natural dyeing services to small brands and designers and really identified that customers and brands wanted to understand more of what they could do to reduce hazardous chemical um, use in their color in their collections and also uh, loved the vibrancy and, and beauty really of natural colors. But we're never able to get them at either a consistency or a supply or a price point that they needed. And uh, when I set out to found Stony Creek Colors, um, first of all, we're manufacturers of predominantly plant-based indigo, but really innovators and researchers across uh, the natural colorant value chain. And in founding the business, it was really um, to capitalize on this big need and, and also this big opportunity in bringing plant-based renewable color uh to scale, making it accessible and easy to use by fashion brands. So that's kind of the journey in starting it was really informed by my experience as a farmer, but also in um, in in appreciating that small batch dye work wasn't going to get us where we needed to go, and the plants themselves are going to um, be really capable of drive of getting to scale um, with the right industrial partnerships. Right. Yeah, and and so this is kind of part of the journey that you've had over the past 10 years for your business. Uh, Tell us about some of the milestones that you've had over the past decade. Yeah, you know, so a a lot has stayed the same. A lot has changed. Uh, Our work definitely stays rooted in this belief that by investing across the indigo value chain, so everything from agronomy to plant genetics to chemistry, engineering, like we can keep uh, removing those original technical or financial kind of barriers to bringing indigo to scale. So uh, uh, over the years, we've done everything from developing a mechanized system for harvesting the leaf material to actually um, in 2020, we validated. And then in 2021, we really started bringing to scale a year round extraction process. So, uh, you know, indigo has been a crazy seasonal crop that uh, always had to be processed very close to where it was grown. And so removing that barrier uh, is such a huge opportunity to drive down 
the cost of production and, and really make it more and more accessible to um, to brands. So yeah, every year is a definitely a new hurdle, um, but also a number of new milestones that we probably could have a, um, a podcast just going through the tribulations and also the, um, you know, the, the joys of knocking do- down those barriers to scale. Right, for sure. And you've had some recent announcements of different collaborations as we closed up 2021. Do you want to highlight those further? Yeah, so Stony Creek, you know, we're we're best known as manufacturers of plant-based indigo, and most denim is dyed with the petroleum-derived synthetic indigo. And so, for Stony Creek, we are very focused on um, on bringing that plant-based indigo into the denim industry. We have uh, just recently, as you mentioned, announced our latest innovation is called Indigold. So you might know Trisha and many of your listeners. Um, Indigo requires a chemical reducing agent typically to turn that oxidized blue indigo into the yellow gold soluble indigo that actually can be taken up by cotton cotton fibers and then woven ultimately into denim. So we're uh, making now the first plant-based pre-reduced indigo that can allow us to replace those chemical reducing agents with uh, a different uh, hydrogenation process. So previously that was only available with synthetic indigo. So we're really excited to bring the world's first pre-reduced plant-based indigo to market. Um, just, you might've seen, we announced a collaboration with Levi's to actually scale that, um, scale that process and scale um, the industrial adoption of it. That's great. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And then you also had a campaign for artisans as well that they could purchase it. Yeah. Uh, how is that going? Yeah. So that's actually been a, a lot of fun. You know, I got my start in this industry doing small batch indigo dyeing, and there's such a huge resurgence in people wanting to understand more what colors they're colors their world and colors their closet and people reclaiming um, old garments to upcycle them. And so at home dyeing is a really exciting um, growing trend. And it's really a home dye kit. It was started as a side project. I mean, I think it still is because the company is really focused on bringing, um, bringing indigo into uh, a plant-based indigo to denim mills, but we couldn't ignore how fun and easy it was dying with our new indigo, this pre-reduced plant-based indigo um, compared to using traditional um, synthetic or indigo dye at home. So really uh, it's a, we ended up starting running a Kickstarter campaign that we met our original goal within like the first 48 hours, I think, but um, the real, you know, it was just this great chance to, honestly, like democratize doing at home dyeing. You don't have to be an expert in dyeing. Within 15 minutes, you can be dipping a t-shirt <laughs> into yeah. a batch of like completely pre-reduced um, plant-based indigo and, and get that get that dingy shirt from, <laughs> you know, the bottom of the hamper and turn it into a fun new garment instead of, instead of buying a new one. So it's been really fun to connect with more of the artists inside of our community and also um, share the beauty of plant-based indigo with more people. Yeah, well, it's great packaging. And I think the timing is right as people are at home and there's been more of a surgence on kind of, you know, home crafts um, and also a great opportunity to educate people around the denim products and how they're made. So congratulations on that. 
No, I think it's really excellent. So what do you think are some of the misconceptions and what do people not understand about indigo that you wish that they did understand? Hmm, that's a great question. I mean, I think that probably one of the most pervasive misconceptions that we run into is that people really often think that when someone says real indigo, they mean like a plant indigo. And I think brands often allude to this. Like I've seen wall, uh, you know, window dressings that say inspired by plant-based indigo. And uh, for the most part, uh, 99.99% of the indigo used by the industry is synthetic indigo. So that's indigo made through, you know, traditional synthetic chemistry. It's um, what's been around for the last 120, 130 years. It's a process that's Starts with benzene. Aniline is one of the intermediates to producing synthetic indigo. Chemicals like formaldehyde and cyanide go into it. So it's very not plant-based. And I think that the industry does uh, and brands have tried to allude to or make it sound like their their um, products are, are plant-based often when they're not. So that's, right. I think, just an important, you know, for us uh, makers of 100% plant-based indigo, there's a reason that we transitioned to synthetic indigo. It was real. It's really, um, you know, challenging to to extract from a very perishable plant material and and to create and maintain that global supply chain. So I think now that we know more about synthetic indigo and some of the potential dangers of you know carcinogens like aniline in our um, in our clothing that end up in that in both the finished good as well as the finished indigo, is, it is important to be looking for alternatives that are regenerative and are um, are going to be positive and profitable for the brand as well as for the workers in the supply chain. So whether it's farmers or it's the factory workers. Great to clarify that. Thank you. Yeah. And so over the past 10 years, you probably have learned a lot um, building your own business and as a young professional and as a female, especially, do you have any advice to give other young professionals? Yeah. You know that this podcast being for Women's History Month, I think that um, often uh, maybe even more, this can apply for all, all professionals, but definitely females like don't wait for someone else to believe in your idea. We absolutely and certainly still encounter um, people not taking the work that we do seriously. So probably at the highest level, it's like keep showing up and, and doing the work and that you believe in and that's inspiring to you. But a, a, an additional you know, piece of, I guess, advice is that the solution doesn't have to be huge to have a really large impact. And um, we we recently closed a funding round in early uh, 2021. The Nature Conservancy, for an example, is an investor in Stony Creek Colors. And uh, they're a, for um, listeners that don't know, they're a global uh, NGO that's focused on um on environmental and conservation work, but they've been really looking at soil health solutions and regenerative agriculture. And so this, you know, bringing together these disparate fields like fashion and farmers and soil health, um, what they recognized was even though we don't need a lot of land to grow plant-based indigo to have a large impact in the industry, we could actually replace all of the world's synthetic indigo with, with about 1% of the 
rotating with about 1% of the world's cotton acres. And so wow. truly not that much land in the grand scheme of things. And in, in also, you know, being a profitable rotation crop that's going to build soil health. But what the Nature Conservancy realized and what, you know, we've been doing by, um, by continuing to invest in this work is like the acres don't need to be huge to have a huge impact on farmers and on, on proving and, and showcasing that regenerative solutions can actually exist. That's amazing. Very interesting. And also you have to wear many hats here. You're also the, the fundraiser too. So your finance side, your chemistry, your sales, your marketing, all of that. And I, I think with, with anyone building a business, you have to be able to dream big. So where do you have your vision set in the next 10 years? What, what would it be that would make Sarah Bellos feel like, wow, now we've, we've got there. Would it, would it be that there would be a, uh, replacement of synthetic indigo by 50% or what's that vision? I think that what we've proven in really a relatively short amount of time with very minimal investment is that we can radically change the way indigo is grown and how mills can use it. And so I think the next 10 years is seeing a lot of those bets pay off in just how we can make the product more and more accessible to brands and lower the, the cost of it. And so within 10 years, having that real viable path towards ultimately what you're suggesting, a really, you know, major replacement of synthetic indigo, um, replacing with just about, it's like 0.55% of the world's cotton rotation would be about a 50% replacement of synthetic indigo. So it's going to take probably longer than 10 years to get there in terms of um, the, you know, the time it takes to scale a crop and, and put it all the manufacturing infrastructure. But we believe that we can show that viable path uh, within the next 10 years and really having that data that shows that crops like our indigo can be grown in rotation in a way that actually boosts the yields of other crops so that it's not a compromise between food crops and indigo, for example, but actually that growing legume varieties like our indigo can help increase the yields of other crops and give farmers more income while diversifying their um, diversifying their, so their cropping systems, which is great for, for them, but also great for the environment. Yes, this regenerative agriculture and how we can really be more efficient with our land and resources. It's a very good point. Yeah. And so we talked about that March is Women's uh, History Month. And this year, the theme is providing healing and promoting hope. So how do you integrate this into the work that you do? How do you have healing and hope for others? Yeah, it's really actually pretty fun fundamental to our work. So, um, you know, Women's History Month, notwithstanding at Stony Creek, our vision is a safe and vibrant fashion industry that is valuing clean and safe color. So we see this opportunity to use color as a source of restoration that's actually bringing life to not just where it's grown, but where it's dyed with, where it's worn. So really across that full value chain. And in terms of that, that kind of motto of Women's History Month, providing healing, promoting hope, I think that, you know, we can probably all think back to people within our own kind of lineages, personal lineages, but women definitely um, 
have been the caretakers, not just of humans, but often of the earth. And I think that as a company, we've held on to this belief that we can do things in a way that's not only different, but it's going to help both. It can help the people making the product. It can help the people using the product, but it doesn't have to come at the expense of the earth. So that's really, I think, you know, tying back into what does it mean to be regenerative is very much um, we want these beautiful things in the past, right? Or in the present, like we love indigo and the beautiful color. We also want to preserve our ability to make them long into the future. And that's what a um, that's what investing in renewable crops lets us do, right? We're not no longer right. relying on these fossil fuel built, driven um, products, but we're looking at it as how can we have them for seven more generations or much longer into the future? Oh, exactly. Yes. And of the 75 million garment workers, 80% of them are women. And they happen to be between the ages of 18 and 35. So we see how much women are really a crucial part of our industry. And and you've mentioned, you know, that, that importance back to your work and business. And I'm wondering, is there any woman in history or present day that you would want to meet with, have dinner with, and and really understand how they were able to build more? Yeah, you know, actually, uh, it's funny you ask this question because uh, the USDA recently had a feature on women in agriculture, and uh, 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 Professor Dr. Maria Un. Jade was is currently an active sweet potato breeder. Uh, she's working in Mozambique, but I think that what inspired me about her work and what I'd love to pick her brain. I don't know if you, that's part of your network right now, but she's actually brought all of these drought tolerant varieties of sweet potatoes to growers in Mozambique. And I think that our work, you know, we have as a global ag community, we invest a lot in a very narrow number of crops. So even something like sweet potatoes is considered an orphan crop. And so she's been using genetic tools. Like we're really inspired by this work of saying, how can we take what farmers are already doing and use technology to improve their yields, um, but also withstand conditions that might not be great for growing other crops. And so um, this community-led work that she's doing, I think is really a big inspiration for um, companies like ours that are trying to bring new what what have been orphaned crops into uh, a more major part of the crop rotation. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Didn't know that. Great. So we're going to move into our final five fast fire questions. So if you could answer in short uh, sentences, brief responses. Do you happen to remember what was your first gene? The first I remember Esprit, yeah, total 90s kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Esprit, always great fashions there. And so what is it that gives you energy? What motivates you? Uh, The lots of coffee and, yeah, constant, like, inspiration for the work that we do on our team. Um, You know, that's the main thing. Wonderful. And as we're a part of, uh, with the Fashion Impact Fund, which SDG do you connect with the most? So many great SDGs. So crit- all of them are critical. I think goal 12, responsible consumption and production, definitely is the one like most kind of inspiring to me in terms of thinking, yeah, we can do this in a way that's going to be really fun and beautiful. Wonderful. 
we all have had some, uh, you know, changes to our schedule and it's a little harder to get around. So where do you want to travel to next? Um, <laughs> I know my kids want to go to a beach somewhere, warm beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. I'm not going to lie, but they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what does Carved in Blue mean to you? Yeah, so Carved in Blue, you know, is like opposed to Carved in Stone, I think, and obviously the uh, lensing uh, motto. I think really for us and me personally, it's like boundaries may be shifting, but opportunities really are endless. So let's look at this way for us personally of like reclaiming natural processes, but in a modern modern way, modern tools and integrating regenerative, you know, regenerative systems within it. So even though we've transitioned away from natural color, I think that's our inspiration to say, um, let's create effective solutions that are going to be around, um, you know, kind of like water, be <laughs> be really um, fluid, but able to evolve into the evolution that the industry needs to take. Well stated. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, endless possibilities. Really appreciate that you're able to join us today. And what is the best way that people can reach you? Yeah, so our company is Stony Creek Colors, S-T-O-N-Y. So there's no E in there. And so Stony Creek Colors on Instagram to follow us. And then we have a newsletter on our website, stonycreekcolors.com. If you know if it's a brand or a mill, contact us through our site. And um, we can't wait to, to keep the collaborations going. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Yes. Great to be with you. Thanks, Trisha. Thank you to our listeners. If you enjoyed this conversation, please check out our other episodes. Subscribe to Bluecast, like, and review us. To discover more of our stories, you can follow our blog, carvedinblue.com, or feel free to reach out to us directly at denim at lensing.com. Thank you.